Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast. This is another bite-sized episode today and as ever, I'm joined by my colleague, Mr. Tim Perkins. Good morning, Daniel Hasler. How are things? <laughs> Full title. Full title. Full title today. I feel D. like... D.I. Hasler. D.I. Hasler. Oh. D.I. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. Detective D. Inspector. Um, yeah, you know, you got that British sort Indeed. of... Indeed. Stiff upper lip. And, stiff upper yeah. lip. D.I. Hasler. <laughs> D.C. Hasler. What's D.C.? Daniel Christopher Hasler, but at the middle name. No, no. Detective Constable. Do you know nothing? Constable. I know very little. Dear, oh dear. Watch I Inspector Morse. Yeah, well, I will. Lewis. But in the meantime, <laughs> yes. Mr. Hasler, let's talk about this idea <laughs> that perhaps we're demonstrating here that in mm. our workplace there's a fair degree of this concept mm. known as psychological safety. Mm. So we were introduced to this idea in a formal sense through the work of Amy Edmondson and, and her book on this concept of feel, uh, called The Fearless Organisation. Yep. Um, in your book you talk about the idea of making it safe to stuff up yep. at work. Yep. Tell me what you mean by that. What it means is if you fear that you can't make a mistake because you know it's going to come back to bite you, it's going to be held against you, um, you're going to miss out on a promotion. Opportunities are going to be withheld from you because you, you know, haven't got it right. Then, inevitably, what ends up happening is people either start playing it too safe <laughs> to not to not confuse the, <laughs> this concept, but you know, they, they start they stop taking risks, they stop pushing the boundaries, they stop looking for new ideas, and they basically just stick to what they know and essentially stagnate, plateau, you know, and perhaps in some cases even start shrinking in terms of their their growth. Um, the other thing um, that happens is that, and w uh, in her book, Fierce Organization, you know, she cites a lot of um, uh, examples where people just won't speak up about things they simply know are wrong you know ethical legal mm -hmm. issues um so she talks a lot about um the volkswagen scandal for example where everybody knew not everybody that's a lie but some people knew that um they were basically fraudulently making claims about um emissions in order to meet you know european guidelines and people knew that this was the case but didn't speak up because it was more it was more important to seemingly make these targets and to hold on to your job and to hold on to your job exactly mm. because if the, because the, the the flip side was people were sacked who couldn't make those targets so it wasn't a case of um you know people saying okay well we'll give you time to no you were just sacked if you couldn't make these targets so people basically ended up lying and um and people knew this was going on and it obviously it then took a whistleblower and it took um you know a big inquiry and Everyone knows the story now of... of uh well, perhaps not everyone. So if you're intrigued by hearing mm. what Dan's just saying there about the lying culture that was developed, this cover-up culture that was developed at Volkswagen... Mm. Um, Google it. Yeah, but it, and it's not. I mean, let's not. You know, let's not just hammer one organisation mm. here. You know, you could look at any number of banking um, scandals, insurance companies, um, sporting teams. You name it, mm. where there are unethical and in some cases illegal things happening. People know it's happening, but for whatever reason, and it's not just to feather their own nest, but for other reasons, they don't feel psychologically safe enough mm. to either speak up about the issue itself or speak up earlier um, in, and it prevent these things from, from um, happening in the first place. Yeah. So Amy Edmondson in that book 
talks about a fascinating sort of paradoxical story mm. within the world of health. Yep. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so she stumbled across the idea. So Amy Edmondson's got a, a long research career in looking at team dynamics and, and what makes for effective teams. And during one of her studies, she was looking at what separates um, the highest performing medical surgical teams versus lesser well-performing surgical teams. And the stakes are quite high in those teams. You know, if you are a lesser <laughs> performing surgical team, then unfortunately people either aren't making it out of your surgery or if they are getting out alive, they're not getting out with great outcomes. And so the the metrics, for want of a better word, are quite clear on what makes for a good surgical team versus a less good surgical team. But what she found interesting in fact what she's found perplexing and what she actually thought must have been an error in the first place was the good performing teams the, the really good surgical teams were documenting more errors in their day-to-day -day work than lesser performing surgical teams the lesser performing teams reported no errors they made no mistakes yet the teams that were performing well and had better outcomes, they were making more mistakes on a daily basis. And so in the first instance, she actually talks about how thinking, well, we must have got the data mixed up here. Let's run it again. Let's have another look. And she did it another two or three times and you know, got different research assistants look at it and, and poured over it until she realized what most people listening now have probably realized is it's not that the lesser performing teams weren't making mistakes, it's that they weren't talking about those mistakes. They weren't open in sharing those mistakes. They weren't documenting those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, weren't learning from them and they weren't getting better. And this is, um, you know, the, the, this is one of the key points around psychological safety is everyone, everybody talks about mistakes being a great opportunity to learn. When in actual fact, they're usually not. Most people don't like making mistakes, not because of the mistake itself, but for how they're made to feel about the mistake that has been made. And so what Amy Edmondson has uh, has come to really express in, in all manner of uh, different ways and in different types of teams is that one of the things which separates, in fact, one of the key things that separates the highest performing teams um, versus lesser performing teams is this sense of having psychological safety. So it's not just about being able to speak up about when you've made a mistake, but it's being able to speak up about a question. You know, can I ask a question without fear of being made to look stupid? Can I take a concern to the boss without being made to feel like I'm you know, constantly complaining or whinging or bringing up things which are a little inconvenient? Mm. And she puts it um, you know, that if you don't have that, then it doesn't matter how talented the people are. It doesn't matter how, you know, the, the, another famous uh, tale that she talks about is the tale of um, Enron, the energy company, and, uh, you know, really talented, smart people who are, um, you know, w w intelligent by any metric you want to use. All this talent, but without that sense of um, psychological safety, there were things that just ended up being unethical and then obviously in Enron's case in particular um, illegal mm. and it's a really interesting one when you boil that down because you don't need to be a multinational corporation to to know what this feels like you know you think about the office that you work in the staff room that you sit in the changing room that you're a part of a team in do you feel you can talk speak up about things or 
is it better to keep your head down because you're afraid it's going to be shot off? Mm. And I think if you have that feeling of your head's going to be shot off, then you might want to exercise the other parts of your body and get out of there. <laughs> One of the things that you do in your book here, Dan, is towards the end of different chapters, you give people a, a little hint, which is an act of leadership itself. And the act of leadership in relation to this work you've you've written about around the concept of psychological safety is to be more vulnerable. Mm. Give us a, a bite-sized view of what it means to be more vulnerable and how that could be beneficial. Because I would imagine a lot of leaders feel that vulnerability is kind of the opposite of what they should be doing in some ways. Yeah, it's the opposite of what a lot of people feel they should be doing because people have been lied to ever since they've gone into leadership. Love it when you say contentious things. <laughs> it's not they've contentious. Been lied Every, to. No, they have because they've been told the, the minute that a leader has been put in position, they suddenly feel very vulnerable because mm. they suddenly realize that they're not they don't have the experience or the skill set because they've just been promoted to this position. It, it sounded fantastic when you put it to me and the, the slight increase in the salary was very attractive. But now all of a sudden I've woken up and I realise I'm not quite sure I've got the skills for this. Mm -hmm. And when you share that with somebody, the first thing so many people are told is, mate, just fake it till you make it. Just fake it till you make One it. One of my least favourite phrases yeah, it's in the English language. It's a dreadful phrase. Because, but, but what happens is people end up starting to fake it so they start they, they don't demonstrate vulnerability when it when a when a member of their team comes to them and has an issue they don't say well you know what i'm not sure i've not thought about that before what do you think they come up with a flawed solution to what they think the challenge is or they step in and do the work for them because usually you know and we've spoken about this previously usually they do know what that other person should be doing because they used to be good at that job that's why they got promoted so they'll step in and do that job for them so when i talk about being vulnerable i'm not saying you know you sit down and you you, you pour your heart out to your team but i think it's about again coming back to the the tagline of the book a playbook for leading with humility understanding that you don't know everything in fact back on episode 50 of the Habits podcast, we spoke with Ed and Peter Shine about humble leadership. Mm. You know, and it's not some um, airy fairy theory. It's the cold reality that you do not know everything. And in fact, you probably know a lot less than you think you do. Mm. So if you come at leadership with that sense of vulnerability, and, and, and I'll say again, it's not about pouring your heart out. It's about just being vulnerable to the human condition and, and, and understanding that I don't know everything here. So how might I lead better? Well, asking questions, saying that I'm not quite sure at the moment, I've not thought about that yet, we'll come back to it. Maybe sharing if you've got a team who, where, where you're mindful that maybe they're not um, open to sharing mistakes or learnings. Being deliberate about sharing times where you have made you know, a misstep a mistake but crucially sharing how you learned from that but even more importantly sharing how you'll support people to make similar missteps you know i think that's that's the real critical thing every opportunity you have to demonstrate to people that you've got their back rather than you're going to stab them in the back when they stuff up yeah. that's how you build psychological safety because again there's a there's another paradox there in that vulnerability actually adds to your credibility in the sense that when we have a boss, and we've all had bosses like this presumably, unfortunately in the past, who are full of their own self-importance, believe they know everything, are full of hubris, they have an answer for everything that we do and they always know better. 
we those people lose credibility in our eyes and in fact by showing vulnerability by admitting that you don't know everything and it comes back to your idea that you've talked about previously that essentially this book is a coaching conversation mm. this book is about saying okay well that's an interesting dilemma i've not come across that before not quite sure where we should be going what do you think how do we move forward here together mm. Now, some leaders see that as a weakness, um, and I think you've just articulated very well why it can actually be much more clearly looked at as a strength. Yeah, I think one thing to um, be really clear on here is we're not saying that you shouldn't know anything. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> no, the, there's the, a reason you've got the job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And I think, um, you know, again, being mindful of, um, well, what are these things that I don't know? Are there common themes here? Because if there are, fundamental basics then presume then might have to hand back the office well yeah or perhaps <laughs> you need to remedy that immediately yeah. um but but the more complex human dynamics of teams or you know every, every year it seems there's there's new reasons why leading is hard you know uh, global pandemics don't help but there's a you know th th there's a fair chance that as you progress in your leadership journey, it's not a case of getting better at leading. It's going to be a case of you're going to be dealing with different challenges and different um, things which come up, which, yeah, you might be able to learn from previous experiences from, but there's probably elements of the of challenges in 2021, 2030, which you're not going to know. Mm. And, and to think that you should know is going to often then lead you down that path of faking it till you make it and you'll stuff up. Yeah, and perhaps never has that been clearer than the situation we all find ourselves in now in the middle of a pandemic and dealing with that sort of for the first time. Dude, I've got a good book for people if they're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a website that goes with this it book, is. Dan, activeleadership.com. Active leadership, yep. And I believe that an interview that you did with Amy Edmondson yep. uh, is also one of the resources available on that website. Absolutely. Amongst the countless um, interviews and additional resources on there, the, the fantastic chat that I had with, and I'm not talking about my part in the conversation, her part in the conversation mm. was, was fantastic uh, back in uh, 2019. Um, and yeah, it's... Um, as a fearless organization, you may reference to that book as well. I mean, my book's a good book. Fearless organization is also a, a good book, and I'd highly recommend um, you have a read of that. But head over to actofleadership.com. You'll find additional resources. You'll find the Leaders Learning Hub. You'll be able to download the introduction to my book to check it out before you invest your hard-earned or your, or your time into it. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to hear how, uh, how people uh, receive the book. Good on you, Dan. Well, thanks very much for your time today on this bite-sized episode. We look forward to our next one. Cheers, mate.